Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. You're listening to the Pennsylvania Woodsman, powered by Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network. This show is driven to provide relatable hunting and outdoor content in the Keystone State and surrounding Northeast. On this show, you'll hear an array of perspectives from biologists and industry professionals to average Joes with a lifetime of knowledge. All centered around values aiming to be better outdoorsmen and women both in the field as well as home and daily life. No clicks, no self-interest, just the light in the pursuit of creation. And now, your host, the pride of Pennsylvania, the man who shoots straight and won't steer you wrong, Johnny Appleseed himself, Mitchell Shirk. Mitchell Shirk. Mitchell Shirk. Mitchell Shirk. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, to this week's episode Episode 100, I cannot believe it. I can't believe that those words are coming out of my mouth. I never would have thought I would make it this far with this show and have everything going on that we do. It's crazy what's happened in the past two years. When we started this out, it was uh, myself and my friend Devon, and Devon moved on to some other stuff, and I took it over, and uh, for a while I had uh, my brother-in-law Robbie with me, and he just decided that he had some other stuff going. It wasn't something he wanted to spend uh, as much time on. And uh, I've kept it going since. I'd love to say that I never missed a week, never missed uh, an episode. That would be a lie. The, the first year I started out in May of 2021 and I did an every other week episode. And uh, there was one week where I had a, a missed episode because the recording that I had had really really rough audio and you know learning from mr dan johnson the uh, the leader of the sportsman's empire network you know it was just something we didn't want to we didn't want to launch out it was a learning experience but uh besides that i've been a you know one episode per week ever since and from then on i haven't missed and we've done anything under the sun you know my as many of you guys know if you've listened to my show religiously um, I am an avid private land hunter for whitetails. I love bow hunting and I really love food plots and habitat manipulation. And when I first started this, I really thought that I was going to go down a path that was going to lead me to be able to do that more and work with some people and stuff like that. And you know what? I have been able to in some sense, but also in that time, um, I've had my second son. And my time available in the field has changed. My family life has changed. Some of the, my mindset has changed. My hunting has changed for for reasons that I chose and reasons that you know things just happen and and you you, you kind of you just kind of make adjustments based on what life gives you. And I, I've kind of grown more and more fond of hunting at camp. I've got some new places that just flat out excite me. I still love hunting the old places. Um, so, yeah, it's just way different. I've, I've now got this late kick where I want to uh, try to kill a bear with the bow and, and do all So, like, I've got all this stuff going on, and a lot of that wasn't happening 
before this podcast. Now, how much of the podcast actually affected those decisions? Eh, probably somewhat because I've met so many great people, I've made so many cool connections, and I really hope that I'm blessed to do this for a few hundred more and make a couple more of those connections, get to meet uh, some of the people like you that listen to the show, have given me feedback, the people who've reached out on Instagram and you know social media and emailed and just uh, expressed how much they enjoy what this show is doing. You know, again, I, I try to do as much about what I enjoy, which is the white tails, the bow hunting, the food plots. I, I do a lot of that. But, man, we've had all kinds of different episodes from elk hunting in Pennsylvania to small game biologists and fur-bearing biologists talking about science-oriented things like the American Martin. Uh, we've had some fishing podcasts, um, timber rattlesnake hunting. It's just been a wide diversity. And I, I Those have been a lot of fun too. I've really I've learned a ton about about those uh, about things I never would have dreamed of, and it's kind of piqued my interest. It's kind of made me want to get outside of my comfort zone a little bit, and I'm going to hopefully continue to do some of that. But thank you guys all for your support. Thank you for reaching out to me. And like I said, if you're listening to my show, and uh, you know, for whatever reason you feel compelled to you know reach out, give us a a comment or feedback, please do. I encourage it. Uh, best to get a hold of at Instagram, uh, Pennsylvania Woodsman Podcast, and give us. Uh, you can always email me, pawoodsmanpodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, it's not pen- spelled out Pennsylvania. It's just pa. Um, I really appreciate that feedback. I I I value that. Value your thoughts. I want to thank all of the guests that I've had on. I've had a couple repeat guests for more than one episode on the show. Uh, I've had a lot of different names, some very, very specific to Pennsylvania, others that were from across the country. And they all center around some of the values and things we enjoy, whether that's just hunting tradition or family values or things along those lines i'll continue to do that and try to relate it to pennsylvania the northeast and what we love about hunting in the great outdoors and uh thank you for my family support you know this is it takes a lot of time uh it takes time to acquire guests and get get your schedule set and takes time away from my family and editing and everything else. So thank you for their support and helping me make this happen to a hundred episodes. Thank you for the support on our network. You know, Dan Johnson's been great. He's been a world of information and helping me understand how the heck to do something like this and how to make it uh, sound quality and you know, how, to, how to get how to set up equipment what equipment to use this and that and the, the evolution and that's been and not only him but so many of the other shows in this network i've become pretty good friends with those hosts um i don't want to start naming names because i don't want to let anybody out but there's so many uh people out there that i've developed a relationship with that have been so good to me and other people i enjoy talking hunting with and during hunting season texting back and forth and like you know what bounce ideas off what do you think of this situation you know if you were in this situation how would your mind play out i i really love that but they've been supportive of the podcast and a lot of them have been guests on my show too which i really appreciate 
So there's probably a host of other people that I should be thanking for this. Um, and, and I, I'm going to try not to let anybody out, but I'm just, I'm overwhelmed by what this has turned into, what it's become. I'm so thankful for this opportunity. Hopefully 100 episodes means that I'm I'm married in to the Sportsman's Network. I Again, I really appreciate Dan Johnson giving, giving me the opportunity to host a state-specific show. It's been a ride. It's been a journey. I'm looking forward to what else it has in store. So for my 100th episode, I was really debating what I wanted to do. I wanted to do something special. Uh, I kept thinking about, okay, maybe maybe I want to get some special special big name individual and have a have a c- certain conversation and you know kind of be like a pinnacle episode and this and that as far as you know people I might have been able to interview. And I bounced some ideas off of some people, then I just decided at one point I was like, you know, I want I want to do something that's a little bit more personal to me. And uh, there was there was one individual that I asked first uh, had a very personal impact on my hunting over the years, and I, I wanted to get them on. And you know, for their own personal reasons, they they declined. They didn't want to do that, and I respect that. That's fine. Uh, so my 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 second idea, and it was a very very close second, and I I really love what happened and what, the way it turned out is, I did an episode with my two grandfathers, and my dad. Now, both of my grandfathers, I believe, are 80 years old. I I say I believe because I think one is about to turn 81. But regardless, they're both 80 years old. And there's a lot of history, tradition, stories that go with their hunting in regards to deer camp. You know, you've heard me talk about deer camp. Uh, you, you, you know, if you've listened to the episode we dropped in in December last year of our deer camp final hunt, you know, my dad came on a little bit and talked about that. We just recapped that hunt, but there's so much history in my camp. And this week, I got the opportunity to pick both of my grandfather's brains on each of their camps. You know, my grandfather Kenny Mangle on my mom's side. They started a camp in Potter County when he was, you know, a fairly young man. I believe it was in 1967, he said. And they talk about what what that looked like. And on the same flip, on the flip side, my other grandfather, Raymond Shirk, he talks about how the camp started that now I go to and do a lot of my hunting at. And my, my dad chips in on so many of them stories. And I, it's just my roots. Like, I think about it the people that I did this episode with. My first two deer I ever killed, I killed with my grandfather, Raymond. And then the next two deer that I ever killed, I killed with my grandfather, Kenny. And when I was thinking about that really cool thing and like the in, my introduction to hunting with those two men, I was thinking about it. I never killed a single deer or a single anything with my dad. He, uh, I, I used to go with my grandfather's, and then it wasn't long. I was hunting by myself. So I've never done that, but I've, I have shared some pretty cool hunting experiences with my dad, especially in recent years. And I have to say, a lot of the coolest stories that I remember them telling, a lot of the coolest experiences I've had, um, 
A lot of them are at camp. Not all of them. I have some great hunting experiences and stories that hopefully as years to come I'll be able to relate to and, and share back from hunting at home and certain properties and specific deer because that's all near and dear to me too. But there's something about camp tra- tradition and that legacy within those camps that it's just like part of my identity. And this episode we talk about how the camps got started, what it was like, what traditions occurred over those years some crazy hunting stories some not so hunting related stories from you know breakdowns and goofing off around camp and i'll have to leave, give you a little warning some of it might involve a little bit of stupidity and might involve a little bit of um uh drinking episodes that have happened but it happens in some camps and i've been part of it i'll, I'll stick my neck out and say i've done some stupid stuff but i think a lot of us have and to me, it's all part of camp. It's all part of those camp stories. And uh, I can't lie. You know, I went through and listened to this episode editing it. And I wanted to make sure, because I had some mic issues when I was setting up and just trying to get everybody's audio levels to a, a sound that it was enjoyable for you guys all to listen to. So I went back through and adjust, adjusted a lot of the, the audio levels to level things out. And in the process of listening back and hearing some of those stories, like a couple times it brought a couple tears to my eyes. Just thinking back on some of the stories. I mean, thinking back to when I killed my first bear. And uh, that's a story we talk about. And the stories of all of us killing bear. And just so many other things. It's just like nostalgic. And... That's why I wanted. To, that's what I wanted to do for my 100th episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. Like I said, you're going to get some history of what it was like from the 60s on up to present time through the eyes of my two grandfathers. You'll probably hear some things about how it was at that time with hunting that maybe you never heard before. Either that or maybe you can relate to it. Maybe you can relate to how deer hunting was or the stories that your family told. Or maybe, maybe you're listening and, and you're... Uh, a little older than myself and maybe you experienced some of the things that my grandfathers had been a part of in their hunting camp so it's special to me i hope you guys like it i I know this is one i'm going to enjoy it's going to be something i know i'll always be able to have for myself and that's what we're going to do for this week's episode so we're going to get to the episode with my my two grandfathers and my dad jeffrey shirk raymond shirk and kenny mangle Uh, right after we uh, get a word from our partners. All right, folks, it's that time of year for fall food plot planning, and this year I'm proud to be working with Vitalize Seed. I work with them because they're great people and they're extremely passionate about wildlife and soil health. My fall food plots will be planted in Vitalize's Carbon Load, a 16-way diverse mix that is highly attractive to whitetails and has countless benefits to soil and soil health. If you've ever been overwhelmed by the hundreds of different seed blends on the market, check out Vitalize's 1-2 planting system. It's designed how nature intended, to make biology work for you. Now each plant species in the blend has the proper ratio of seed to grow synergistically, not allowing any to outcompete another. This provides season-long forage for wildlife as well as benefiting the soil biome. There's no need for complex crop rotations with monocultures that are susceptible to drought and overbrowsing. Whether you plant with fancy no-till equipment or a bag spreader and a lawnmower, Vitalize can work in any food plot. 
For more information about Vitalize and soil health practices, visit VitalizeSeed.com and be sure to follow them on Instagram and Facebook. Radix Hunting was founded on premium grade trail cameras and continues striving to produce the best cellular and conventional trail cameras on the market today. The Gen 600 is a second generation camera from the Gen series line. With premium video and audio recording capabilities, this product has become well respected as the HD video trail camera. In addition to the Gen series cameras, their M-Core cellular camera has all the features of a quality cell camera at an affordable price. Along with their cameras, they offer stick and pick trail camera accessories to allow you to set your cameras just right. You can find it all at RadixHunting.com and be sure to follow Radix Hunting on Instagram and Facebook. Want to check out Radix cameras in person? Stop in at Little Mountain Outfitters in Richland, Pennsylvania and have a peek. Now, back to the show. So, I wanted to do something special for my 100th episode. Um, and I was back and forth, I was talking to a bunch of people, I had an idea for another guest I wanted to have on and approached him and he said that he was uh, he, he didn't want to and that was fine and uh, I, I kept going back and forth I even asked Dan Johnson who's the the head of the Empire uh, yeah the Empire the the network that I'm on I asked him you know about ideas and he said well I can help you out with setting somebody up but I was just thinking about it I was like I want to do something that is very realistic to like what I grew up with so I thought I I, I Went out on a limb. I'm glad you guys did it. So sitting with me, I have my two grandfathers and my dad. And I wanted to kind of give an idea of what I came up with hunting, kind of from camp traditions, both camps, camp stories and stuff like that. So uh, sitting with me at the table is my, my, my grandfather on my mom's side, Kenny Mengel. And uh, if I, uh, I'm, I'm going to probably address my grandfathers by their first name so people kind of know who I'm talking about. But if I slip up, Pop-Up is Kenny, and then <laughs> Grandpa is Raymond Shirk, and then I got my dad, uh, Jeffrey Shirk, and uh, you were on once before, but I think that was after we had our our. our our I'm, little party I might have been a little under the weather <laughs> <laughs> were you there at camp when we were still there <laughs> we did uh, we did our podcast after yeah. our deer camp and uh, I, I set the fourth mic up seeing if I could bait somebody in and uh, Jeffrey couldn't take it anymore I had to go but Jen, uh, anyway thank you uh, thank you for doing this and I wanted to talk about hunting camp hunting camp well hunting camp started when we bought a bus <laughs> I know, and in your camp started. You you had a uh, a group of group of guys from this general area that you kind of all drove together, and you found your camp, right? Yes. And and that's kind of what I wanted to get started. So, going back, um, Kenny, do you remember um, like around the time frame, or even the year of when you guys would have ventured out to find a hunting camp or an area where you wanted to have a deer camp? In the sixties. The sixties. Yeah, we started our camping. Auto camp in 67 but uh, before that we hunted the blue mountain right and you you told me about that because you i remember like now the, the places that i work are places that you used to hunt pheasants as a kid mm-hmm. and uh like you used to tell me the places that i'm now complaining about deer pressure and crop fields are the places that you said was void of deer and you had to go up to the to the mountain to hunt well I, we had uh I think the last year we hunted on the Blue Mountain, we didn't kill one deer. Really? Yeah, and that, that made us start looking for a place to go hunting. And we, before we hunted deer, 
uh, upcountry, we used to go to a, another camp before we bought our camp to hunt bear. Okay. And then I hunted deer at that camp a few times. Didn't kill a deer there, but but some of my friends did. And that and then when we didn't kill deer in the Blue Mountain, that got us looking into trying to find a camp upcountry. And and uh, like you said a while ago, we'd go like four in a car and go up for a weekend and drive around and and eventually we found the camp that we bought. And I always remember the the first day we went out hunting, we, we shot five buck. Well, that's not a that's a much different start compared to yeah. <laughs> compared to that. So that would have been like the the early '60s, mid '60s, and then you ventured out and bought your camp. Now, correct me how many how many members started out? Like, do you remember the like original we charter members? And thirteen. You're, okay, and you because you're one of the original charter members of camp. I'm yet. the last charter member. There's two living yet that aren't members anymore. Okay, uh, but I'm the last charter member. Okay. So that's from 1967, and uh, a lot of history and a lot of story. And you, you said uh, Raymond said earlier in this, and this is this is I think an interesting one too. You said camp started when you bought a bus, but that there, there was a little bit of backstory. So how did you end up going back to uh, the area in, in the first place? Well, we we were hunting on a farm. The first year I ever hunted up up camp. Uh, well, it was at a, a farm, and it was a hunting camp, and uh, I was 15. No, I was 14 the first year, and I sh- shot my first doe up there, and uh, we were out in the woods hunting. Me and my brother Lloyd, we went uh, out hunting together all the time, and we would just walk just so we could see each other, and we used to chase deer all the time back and forth to each other and that's how we hunted and so i i really wasn't into deer hunting at that point i used to small game hunt but that was my first uh, uh, deer hunting at 14 and i sh- shot a doe the first year and i thought oh this is easy I said, <laughs> we, we got close to some deer and i seen one standing and i shot at it and missed it <laughs> And it started running, and I started shooting, and I hit one in the head. <laughs> so I guess I wasn't aiming too good at that point, but uh, that was my first year, and that uh, started it from there. Uh, a year, two years later, was when we bought a school bus and fixed it up for we could sleep like eight or nine people in this thing. It was crowded. Right. But, uh, but you had a stove and everything in it. Yeah, we had, a, we had a heater in it, and so we had did, a table. I, I want to know the, the story of how it got to its final resting place. Well, that was I, I was 16 when we bought that, and I followed my brother, Paul, to drive this bus up to camp. And it was, well, it was a good three-hour drive with a car at that point in time. And... Uh, we got to Pottsville, and the thing started hammering. So we had a we we got out and we figured out what was making it hammer. We knew a rod bearing was going out, so we checked the oil and that was full and everything. And so we pulled that plug wire off so it wouldn't fire and it didn't hammer as bad. 
So we drove it the rest of the way up. And the last hill we were going up before where we parked it, it shut off. It wouldn't go no more. It vapor locked. It got that hot. <laughs> and so we coasted it backwards and got it started again and finally got it the rest of the way up. To In fact, it had stopped one time in Pottsville. And I pulled my car up right behind the bus and me and my there was some there was three of us i don't remember who the other one was but we we got on my car pushing on uh, uh, with my, our feet against the bumper of the bus and pushed it about six feet and my brother popped the clutch and it started <laughs> off we went <laughs> but anyway we finally got it there and uh the first year we hunted that out of the bus um it was just me and I think it was two of my brothers and my mom and dad, and we hunted, and it was really a good area where we had sat this bus. We found a place to well, I was going to set say, did, the bus. Did, was this state land that the bus? No, was no, on? no. It was private land. Did you know that that was where it was going? You wanted to get it to, or yeah, yeah. We had the, them arrangements made before we took the bus up. Okay. But we knew of all this land up there from going up to the farm where we started hunting, mm-hmm. me and my brother Lloyd. And uh, anyway, from there we hunted out of the bus, and we've seen lots of deer, <laughs> lots of deer. Do you remember but, how many years you hunted out of the bus? Yeah. Uh, two. Two. Yeah, we hunted two years out of the bus. And, and then it was in that time frame that you found camp? Yeah, in 1960, we bought the camp where we have mm. now, today. And my brother bought it, and my dad w- went along with him, but he didn't have a lot of money, so my brother paid the, he bought the camp. Mm-hmm. And uh, to make a long story short, he bought the camp, and his wife was furious. <laughs> she hated camp. She didn't want nothing to do with camp. She just thought that he was going up there to have a woman, and that was not the case at all. Yeah. But anyway, he he bought the camp, and he had it himself for till 1967. Okay. 67, we incorporated, and then we had 18 members in the camp. Okay. And then somewhere along the line is when my dad joined, and I mean, that was before, I, but at some point he started. Your and dad and, wasn't born then yet. Right, exactly. <laughs> it was, that was early on, but at some yeah. point he comes into the picture and, and, and tormented the absolute daylights out of you in the woods with him and his brothers. No, not really, not really. <laughs> I, by the time they, that Jeff, my son, started hunting, uh, I... I wasn't as anxious about hunting anymore then as was I was in the beginning. Yeah, but uh, I, I just took took them out to hunt, and <laughs> we had some episodes. Oh yeah, and I can't yeah, wait to and, get and into he, some of those. And he's not he's not going to tell you that he wasn't antsy to shoot a deer yet because he always told. Now he never did this to me, but he told he told Mark said that you know he always said he would let him get the shot at the buck, and Mark was first two years had the 30-30 with binoculars and open sights uh-huh. and like mark would put the binoculars up find the deer and then when he go to put the gun on he couldn't tell which one the buck was and before mark could figure it out he shot the buck 
Yeah, antsiness gets. I don't know if I remember that. Oh, actually, you have to ask your your other son about it. Yeah. Okay. Well. Anyway, we've seen lots of deer at that point in time. In fact, at camp that we got, uh, it was actually overpopulated with deer when we first got it because we went out and there was little doe that we could get up to within 50 feet of and we talked to them. Oh, goodness. (laughs) And they'd stay standing there. They didn't run. And so I guess they never seen people before, but they sure got scared after that. (laughs) Dad, what were some of the first memories? Like your first year you went up when you were 12, right? First year hunting, so, yeah. Yeah, for your first year hunting, you went up to camp, and you would have been, it would have been your older brother, and then you had a bunch of cousins and stuff, too, that were up? Uh, yeah, cause, I mean, it, it was a full camp. Like, yeah. there'd be, there'd be 18, 19 guys just for you, the first day of, of buck season. Well, in the old camp, that was probably pretty crowded. That well, was real crowded. Yeah. So, like, you, you would have heard all the stories from your older brother when he was first going up in, the, in your first year and you would have heard the stories of grandpa and everybody mm-hmm. else would have told so like what was what were some of the things like do you remember certain things about the first year you went up that or was it just that um yeah i mean there was certain things I, I remember you know being 12 years old like i'd never been in the woods before mm-hmm. and i used to hate but we'd go we'd go to a spot like we'd be following him and I used to like when he would he would stop at a spot and he'd say, I'm going to sit here. You go that way and you go that way because then I knew where he was at. I hated when he used to drop me off at a spot and then he'd walk away because then I had to stay at that spot. You know, I didn't have a choice. Well, did you, I, have, did you have ants that you wanted to walk around or you just, it was just the idea? No, you didn't... I just didn't want to get lost. <laughs> it, that, was, that was big woods. I didn't, I didn't move. It is. Yeah, it, I'd be freezing and I'd. Well, I can, I can remember a time I stopped, and I, I sat in the middle, and I said, you go this way, and the other brother went the other way. And it wasn't long he came back. I said, what are you doing? It was only a couple minutes. He said, there's a bear over here. <laughs> was that you? <laughs> yeah. Really? I think that was when I was and about, he came I was back, about 13. he was white I, as a ghost. I was about 13, I think, when I saw a bear. That was the first time I ever saw a bear in the woods, and I was yeah. like, it scared the crap out of me. <laughs> yeah, the first, that first time does. I mean, the first time I saw a bear in the woods, I was 13, and I killed it. That was, that was another funny story. Talk about like you know, sending kids off in the wrong way. But I want to go back, to, uh, Kenny. So you, uh, you said you went up in 67, and that first year you shot five deer in the camp, or five buck, I think. Do you remember like that area where you ended up? purchasing the camp you used to drive around you found a place that you guys bought in 67 13 charter members was that an area that you were relatively familiar with or was that you just found that place and just that we're, we're gonna this is where camp's gonna be and that's where it is yeah we were not familiar with that area so the first year you didn't know what to expect when you went in the woods no we didn't do you uh do you remember like what what it was like the first year like i'm sure you don't remember the specific days and how many deer you saw but like what it was like as far as the game that you'd see in those first first few years well i didn't shoot i wasn't one of the lucky ones that shot one of the five buck and i really don't have a vivid memory of of the deer that i saw that year but i think we shot the five buck till noontime and we hunted three days and never got another deer but with but we had five buck till noontime uh no, I can't say I have a vivid memory. Now, a year or two later, I, I got my first buck, and I sh- uh, 
first buck up country, and uh, that buck I shot in a drive, okay. which was one of the nice things back in those days. We'd go out in the morning and kind of like we'd 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 strategically pot hunt, okay. But then the 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 the, the drivers would start at nine o'clock to push to the standards, and then from then on, that we just put one drive on after the other for the whole day. Did you, I'm assuming the first year was, I mean, the first year had to be a learning experience because you guys were new to the, new to the, the area. So did you do, do you guys remember if you did a lot of scouting or walking around to figure out the lay of the land in those areas before you started doing drives? Not that first morning. You know, we just went out the front door and, and put on one drive after the other up to the pipeline until we got there, we shot five buck. Oh, that's not too bad. Did you have, were you... Would you have been using maps at that time, or you just kind of looked at the lay of the land? And Eventually, until the next year, and maybe some of the guys had already a little bit. But okay. uh, yeah, the, the first year wasn't too strategic. Like I said, we just went out the front door and put on one drive after the other. But then from then on, then we started widening the area that we hunted, mm-hmm. and going into some of the more remote areas. I remember when I was younger and, and you would talk about camp story camp. I've, I've heard you talk about that, that you'd have it set up that we were going to hunt in this general area on our own until you used to say like nine o'clock and then you'd make drives. And you used to talk about how some of those guys in camp were just like, they they were like, I don't know if hardcores, the guy, what about, they were, they were just tough individuals. Cause you said a lot of them were, some of them were war vets too at that time, I think. Well, one guy was pre- for, for sure. And then there was a couple guys, a couple of the members just were naturals. Mm-hmm. They were just natural hunters. I mean, they learned the terrain in a hurry and they would guide the drives. They were just, I know one member of the camp used to say he thinks they're part Indian. <laughs> did, uh, did they, <clears throat> so they would lead a lot of that stuff. I, I mean, yeah, I, um, trying to think of anything else that i would want to add with it. i just remember you telling me those the 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 first years where it was like just going out and it was all day it was it was drive after drive after drive dark after, to dark right yeah i mean from the time it was dark when you when you were standing at your first spot in the morning and when it came light you know well then you, you we call it what uh, pot hunting for until whatever time we designated that the and you were already lined up that the, the the standards were at one spot and the drivers were at another and then at a certain time then the then mm-hmm. the standards uh, uh, i mean the drivers pushed to the standards and like i say then it just went on all day long and we we tried to get as many drives in as we could in a day you retired at the end of the day i believe that did you have, would you have been going up that whole first week of buck season at that point? Generally, it was three days. Most guys would come to camp on Sunday and go home Wednesday. We'd hunt two and a half days, okay. two full days, and then about a half a day on Wednesday. That's how it was for pretty many years. But then as the guys got older and we stopped driving, then it, then it changed, and it's different today. But back then, it was basically two and a half days of solid hunting. Mm-hmm. Raymond, you used to go up, you guys used to go up pretty much the whole week, right? <coughs> I always went up for a whole week, always. Yeah. If I didn't, the one guy I was working for at one point in time, he said, uh, well, you you don't have vacation for a week. You can't go for a whole week. He said, I said, I'm going. And he said, well, what if you don't have a job when you come back? I said, I guess I'll look for one. <laughs> I always went for a week. 
and he never bothered me after that. He didn't give me a problem. I went. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong. Your wedding anniversary, isn't it like December 3rd? Yeah. And you went the next day to deer camp or something? Yeah. We, well, no. We went, yeah, it, we got married on the 3rd of December. And uh, that was on a Saturday. And Monday was deer season. So me and my wife went to camp to the bus for our anniversary. <laughs> for your honeymoon. Had, for your honeymoon, yeah. It was for, for your honeymoon. Yeah, yeah, it was for a honeymoon. Yeah, and uh, it's we, almost it's almost like going to Punta Cana or right. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way. But anyway, uh, we spent that week with uh, my three brothers and my mom and dad and, and me and my wife Sylvia. So and, and another thing too. So that was at the bus, and then years came later, and you said it was in '66 or '67 that you guys bought the camp that was just over no, the hill. No, no, no. We bought the bus in 19. Uh, the no camp. Camp, the camp in 1960. Oh, 1960. It was 1960. incorporated. Incorporated. Gotcha. Oh, gotcha. It was incorporated in '67. Uh, so uh, yeah, the, the first I can remember the first week day we hunted at camp. We uh, got into camp Sunday night, and we were all worked up about going hunting the next day. And me and my brother Lloyd were the ones that always went the furthest and the hardest. And uh, we went out the front door, went across a creek, which was about two feet deep most of the time. And we went up the mountain, straight up over, get to the top, and then we'd do our hunting, our that we always did and I'd, he'd be on one side of me and I'd be on the other and just so we could see each other sometimes we wouldn't see each other for five minutes but for the most part up there we could see each other because it was more open than where we hunted on the farm okay and uh, but anyway uh, we we just kept walking real slow and we always had a bright hat on or something that we could easily pick out but uh there were times that uh, we didn't see each other for a half an hour, maybe, but right. we knew about where they were at that point. But I can remember the first year I hunted up at the farm where we were at, there was game lands nearby. And, of course, my brother, he had no rest at all. He had to go. Mm-hmm. So he walked back this road. He said, just hang around here. I'll see you later. I was thinking... Well, I want to go too. <laughs> so he went, he left, and I thought, well, there's a road up up a little further. I'll just follow that road once back through. And I probably walked about two or three miles, and uh, there's my brother. He looked at me, he says, what are you doing here? I said, well, I wanted to see what it looked like back here. Okay, he said, do you know where you're at? I said, yeah. Well, how do you know that? I know my directions. Don't worry. I got to go back that way to go back. <laughs> well, do you remember how old you were at that point? 14 or 15. Oh, no, okay. no, wait. Yeah, that, I was 14 the first year and 15 the second. Mm. That, uh, we, that when was you were hunting be- at the farm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got a doe the first year and the second year I got a doe too over there. But then the third year, we were at the bus, and that's when I was 16, and I hunted up there. And it was 
no, we must have had the bus three years because it was a year, the year later than that I got married. I was 18 when we got married, and uh, we had the bus in that, that year. But the following year, that was 1960, is when my brother bought the camp that right. we went to. And correct me if I'm wrong, I, I brought up Grandma in uh, in that conversation on purpose, not only because of the timing of it being deer season, but... Isn't it true that there was at one point in the in the bylaws that no women were allowed in deer camp except Sylvia Shirk? No. No? Susanna. No, S. Susanna. My, that was my mom. Your mom. mom. Okay, mom. okay. Yeah, she that, was the cook. That was from 19... After 1967. They made that rule because when when I went to camp, my first when when we first got married, it was still like our honeymoon, and we she was going along regardless. So right. she went along to camp, and of course, when the diapers were hanging in the kitchen, and people would get tangled up, and they got a little bit upset about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you, did you have any stories like that at, at your hunting camp? <laughs> mm. No, not like that. One story that comes to my mind. Uh, this was in the evening. We were making the supper. One of the guy's wives was doing the cooking. And the fluorescent light was flickering. So she just reached up to turn it a little bit, and it came right down. And there were big pans of fried potatoes on the stove. And the bulb came down and and smashed. And there was glass all over the potatoes. And I can remember the one old fellow saying, Well, boys... Start peeling potatoes, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's, yeah, it's, that so would have been a mess. It, it's not a diaper story, but it's a story that comes <laughs> did, to my mind. Do, uh, would, would it be common that you'd have somebody's wife would be the camp cook in those days, or did you have a designated camp cook throughout the years? We did both. We had designated cooks a couple of times, and then we had wives that did the cooking a, a number of times. So we, we've done both over the years, and... Then that's time went on, and then eventually got to the point where guys would bring an evening meal, you know, okay. for, for those nights. And I don't know how they do it today. I haven't been there for a while. But but in the old days, from the start, we had a designated cook. And uh, so I, you know, yeah. I guess if you say uh, th- th- thoughts that come to my mind, definitely the the biggest in my mind is I'll never forget in 1983 we were turkey hunting, and we were... Uh, at an area where we went back in pretty far in the mountains. And I was walking this trail, and I saw a bear, and I was carrying my little twenty-two Magnum rimfire. Yep. And, and I, I I started stalking this bear, and I really, and I mean slow, and watching every footstep really slow, super slow. And I got really close to that bear. The wind must have been right. He was scratching acorns under an oak tree. And I stood there and watched him for a while, and I thought, well... You didn't see me coming in. If I can help it, you won't see me going out. So I backed out real slowly. And when I got back to the trail, I could still see glimpses of him in there. He was still in there scratching around for food. And then I went in there the first morning of bear season and shot a bear. That so was the year you shot your that's bear? That's the bear. I shot a, shot a bear. And, and back in those days, getting a bear was not like today. They shoot more bear. But we only ever had three bear killed at our camp in all the years. It was only three hundreds, And I was fortunate to be one of the guys that got one. And I can remember that morning I said to the, there was three of us that walked in the trail. And I said to the guy, I said, I'm going to go to the right, okay? 
and I don't remember what he said, but then when we went in, and, and there were strangers walking in too, and they all went to the right off the trail. So then I came to an area that I liked, back in pretty far, and uh, and, and I know it must have been about halfway. I'll tell that part later, but anyway, so everybody was going to the right, so I changed my mind. I went, I went, turned off the trail and went into the left, and it was like a, a narrow, just a, a slight ravine area, just an area. And I thought, well, if if they get chased, here's where they'll come. So I was standing there, and I don't know, did I hear a shooting? Is that what got it started? But all of a sudden, here come three running wide open. Okay, and I kept telling myself, and I had my 306 pump in those days, and I thought man, I want to make sure of this. And I, I told myself, make sure, make sure. And when I pulled the trigger, by golly, I missed. And then it flared off to the side, and it was just, then it was instinct. I just jacked another one in, swung in front of it, shot. And when I pulled the trigger, it, it went like a rat, like a rabbit goes ass over tin kettle. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll have that memory as long. I can see that bear flipping now, you know. And that well, didn't take long. And then soon there were guys standing there. And then here one of the cubs came back. Then they went after that cub, and they shot the one cub then. I see. Cubs were legal in those days. But that has to be my biggest thrill in, 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 all, the the year, years. in all the years that I hunted at camp. Yeah, 1983. I mean, I, you look back through all of the harvest data that's out there and the, the information for bear hunting. Like, that was a tough time to kill bear. I mean, the population wasn't near what it was. And I'm going to flip back over to my other grandfather. You you experienced that the hard way because you had some long years bear hunting at oh, the camp. My. I went bear hunting every year. And I most of the time I had to go by myself because nobody else was interested. And, uh, yeah, I uh, hunted a lot of years. I Well, 1960 was the first year I started hunting bear. And, of course, I didn't get anything till. Until you and I shot ours, when, we'll have to tell When that story my grandson then. Mitchell shot his bear, <laughs> I shot about a minute before he did, and I thought he shot my bear. <laughs> Little did I know, when the drive was all over, I was happy because... I hope that picked up in the background. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> so that, 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 everyone, is my, was one of my uncles sitting in the background... Uh, making fun of me because I was 13 years old and I, uh, I shot a bear and as, as Raymond was telling the story, we'll tell this story, but I was uh, hysterical crying and everything else that I just shot a bear and I was, I was saying, I just shot a Pennsylvania black bear. So that's one of those infamous stories. What year was that Mitchell? That was, uh, two, I think it was 2007. Well, so when you were 13, so yeah, I think it was math. 2007. And did, what did you shoot it with? A 7mm 08? Yeah, I shot it with that that gun that was gifted to me, that 7mm 08. And that was an interesting story. So this is not at the camp that, that you bear. This is a completely different camp. But um, my dad and, and Raymond and I have all hunted bear at this camp for a number of years. I've gone since I'm 12. You went for over 20 years, and you went for 20 From years. 1960. Right. Until that year. No, not at that. Do you remember the first year you went to Clinton? Not at Clinton. No, not at Clinton. 1991 was the first year we hunted at Clinton. Yeah, and you hunted every year from 91 until... Oh, no, wait, 90... Yeah, somewhere around 91. Yeah, every year from 91 until about 2000, probably 8 or 9 was the last year you buried. Because you came a few years after you shot that one. Yeah, 
but that was interesting. So I, you know, all those years, I remember one of my things I used to remember. I know, like, you always wanted that. I'm talking, pointing at my dad. You always wanted to shoot a bear. Like, you, you love going to camp. You like deer hunting, but it was never that you'd rather go golfing is the joke that we always make too <laughs> but you really wanted to shoot a bear i remember I that all over those years and, I, and the first year when i went when i was 12 years old i sat with you and, and you used to always say you better hope that two come because because i want to shoot a bear and he goes on and, and that was that was funny but the the second year i went and this is technically a, a no-no and this is a this is a funny story but when i was 13 yeah i remember we were driving up to camp uh, in the truck, it was snowing like crazy. You remember we were driving up and it was just a whiteout mm-hmm. going up 80. And uh, you said to me at one point, you said, uh, do you want to sit with me or do you want to sit by yourself? And, you know, me being me, I'm anxious to go hunting. I'm like, well, I'll, I'll do that. That's fine. So uh, the, the first day we go out bear hunting, we did a couple drives. And then we did a drive in the afternoon. And they set me up at a spot by myself. And... Uh, we walking out this bench we saw five different sets of bear tracks going into that drive it was about 10 inches of snow on the ground and we saw all these bear tracks and we were getting real excited and when we got to the top of this hollow uh raymond and uh my uncle craig split up and went out craig was going to flank the drive and you were going to sit on the point of this hollow and i was going to sit at the top of the hollow on the opposite side of you and as you guys were walking up uh Craig crested the ridge, and there was a bear on top. And I think he went to rip his gun off of his shoulder, and the hooks on his backpack caught his gun, and he couldn't get his gun off at time or something like that. And the bear ran down over. And then from there, you guys split, and then what happened? Well, I was sitting. We were making a drive. I got up to the spot I was supposed to sit, and I just sitting there, and I wasn't sitting there no five, ten minutes. And I see this bear going, coming down off from up top where my other son was. And uh, it came down through, and it, I got an opening, and I, I shot, one shot. And it went right straight down over the ridge, not even chance for another shot. The only shot I ever shot at a bear, and the only one I ever got. <laughs> and it, I just had to sit there and wait till the drive came through because I didn't want to mess it up for anybody else. Right. Then you shot like a minute or two minute later. Or two after. And I thought, oh my God, I missed that bear and it went back and somebody else shot it. Yeah, because well, you heard me on the radio instantly. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember there, it was all the... the the carrying on on the radio because you know you shot your bear and it was i mean it was loud and when you hear those shots ring across the hall i remember how they they just like you know echo across the valley you didn't hear nothing on the radio after i shot no though, i didn't did hear you? anything it was silent and i think when i was on the, on the stand i had my radio either turned off or turned down really really low but i remember so i heard that shot and i'm sitting in the spot and i'm looking out across the hollow into the drive and i hear this <sighs> and it's getting louder and i'm like what i said to him, what the heck is that what is that noise it's getting louder it would be like high pitch then it was lower and it finally got to a point where it was it was really loud and i and i went i finally heard a tone that i could tell enough i'm like that's a bear and i had a i had a tree i was sitting in the end of the hillside and the tree that was to the right of me i had my gun leaned against so i grabbed my gun and i turned about 90 degrees to my right and here comes this bear off the top of the 
the ridge that I'm sitting on, not at, in the drive. We didn't even start to drive at this point. This is behind us. And it comes right angles down. And I think when I shot it, it was less than 15 yards from me. I mean, it was right in the opening. And I shot, and it dropped in its tracks. And now immediately, you know, that's when we get to the Pennsylvania black bear story that we just I said. I think you were excited. <laughs> I, was, I was hysterical. But it was rolling around, and I, I remember Foxy was below me, and he said, Mitchell. He said, is that you carrying on, or is that the bear? I said, it's the bear. And you were, I think, at the bottom of that uh, oh, big sneeze. I think uh, my dad was at the bottom of that hollow, and you were, you were chiming on the radio, like, put another one in it, shoot it again. I think I shot it like two or three times until <laughs> I finally got it. But that was, that was very cool. But you ended up getting yours, and it didn't go much further than... It was just down over the bank from where it went down over, mm-hmm. maybe 150 feet. And it was laying there. Right. Um, yeah, that was, that yeah, was a that, cool day. Uh, it was hard to stay sitting there, I'll tell you that. <laughs> right. That was, uh, that was a very exciting day, like I said, too. We actually had a, a third opportunity at a different baronet drive, and we didn't, we didn't get through. But it was, uh, it was funny then because you shot my dad. You shot your bear the next year then, I think it was. Yeah, I think so. But uh, we, we've we've had a lot of good luck. But um, going back to our camp and your bear hunt, you hunted from 1960 until 2007 until you finally killed killed one. Yeah, that's 47 years. It, it's, that's a long time to be hunting bear. And you used to say you well, that, they weren't open that whole time. That was a that was an in, uh, in uh, yeah, period in there. They were closed. It it, re, it reopened in. 19, that was Gary 19, Alt that 1980, it, right? I want to say, or either 1970, maybe 1979 it reopened, and they opened it up that year after doe season. It was so cold, you couldn't hard, you couldn't stand to stay well, exactly. sitting. Doe season would have been like right before Christmas, right? It was, yeah. it was after mm-hmm. doe season. Which, after doe season, yeah, I remember yeah, that. Two weeks of buck season that started the Monday after Thanksgiving, and then... There was a little three, what, then, then, then the, the, the three-day doe season, and then the following yeah. Monday they opened it up again. They opened it Prepare. up. And that was just a one-day hunt, I think, when, yeah, they, when they first opened yeah. it up. Everybody had fires going because it was so cold. You, Oh, my yeah, God. Was, nobody saw anything. And we were going to make a drive first thing. And, well, oh, my. And that was when we hunted at our camp yet. Mm-hmm. And it was hard to set up drives there because we didn't have enough people, for one thing. Uh, and it was too many hills. That was a problem. It definitely now, Mitchell is. figured out a way to do it, but oh, he's hunting at a different a, area. Different area and a lot more people. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's definitely one thing. Uh, Kenny, do you remember when you when you guys started bear hunting over there? I know you said you shot yours in 83. Were you well, hunting we in- hunted bear before, before at another camp before we hunted at our camp. Okay. I think the first year I went bear hunting was 63. I can, I can remember that because... The oldest guy in our hunting camp, okay, and eventually, okay, it was him and his brother-in-law and his dad, okay, in 63. So this guy, you know, this dad and I were sitting in the back seat. If he were living today, oh, he'd probably be, oh, he would, would probably have to be about 120, 125, 30. Uh, but, but, wow. But, 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 yeah, well, he was the it was the oldest guy in the camp's mm-hmm. father, okay? 
that him and I, and I remember we were sitting there talking about the World Series because the Dodgers beat the Yankees four straight that year. I, I just just remember that, and, and, and we were discussing the ball game driving. You were ecstatic, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, I, w- I was. I, I, I mean, I don't want to waste too much time on baseball, but I, I, that was uh, the, the previous year, Koufax got hurt halfway through the year, and, and they only wound up in a tie with the Giants, and then the Giants won the pennant and the Dodgers did. But then the next year, okay, they, got, they won the pennant and got in the World Series. And I can still remember Koufax won the first game 5-2, to two, Padres won the second game 4-1, to one, Drysdale won the third game 1-0, to nothing, and Koufax won the last game 2-1. to one. And we were discussing this on the way up. But anyway, getting back to bear hunting, you know, here I was at that time, well, that was 1963, so I was 20, okay? I was born in 43. I was 20, and when we went out that first morning and put our first drive on, okay, it turned out that there was a bear in the drive, and I think, Nevin, let's see, one, two, three, at least three, four. Four guys shot at that bear, and it had been hit by I don't know how many guys, but we never got it. It got to a kid that finished it off with a pumpkin ball. I can still remember. Really? We didn't get that bear. But what I distinctly remember vividly in my mind is, 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 is not vividly, but I, I, from as we started, I was one of the drivers, and we started going out through, and all of a sudden, and I had never heard this before like this, but we were going out around the mountain, and it would go... Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. And, and this would be one after the other. You keep hearing this, and I mean, there I was, a twenty-year-old kid bear hunting for the first time, and I can just remember that was maybe to somebody else that's not fascinating, but to no. me, hearing these rifle shots and the, and, oh, yeah. and the, you know, and I didn't know what to expect when we got out there, but I eventually got to see the, the bear, and mm-hmm. and then our guys are standing. Well, I hit it. I know I hit it. It went down when I hit it, and this was one story after the other, and it had been hit more than once, but they di- they didn't put it down. Yeah. And then another guy was saying, "Well, next year I'm going to reload 150 grains instead of 180 grains," and this was just so much conversation over this bear, you know, and, yeah. but. But we didn't get it. This kid finished it off. But but that was 1963, and that wasn't our camp. And so, like I said earlier, we hunted bear there a couple of years and and deer there a couple of years until we bought our camp in '67. So that's a memory that I have. That well, you, you said about the shots. Yeah. I remember the first time I heard that. It was at bear camp. In Clinton County. Oh, and I, yeah. And I said they to, shoot across the valley. Yeah, yeah, shooting across the valleys and those yeah. houses. And it's such a unique sound. I'm like, Dad, what, what, what is going on? And you're like, that's just the way it sounds up in these mountains. Because that's when I was sitting with you. But I want to circle back a little bit. So I, I brought up a little bit with my dad here. Uh, first year when you were 12, kind of what you remembered going out through. And you had a couple of, of encounters that year that you, you always tell me. I was 12, 13 years old those first two years that you – well, when I was when I was twelve, like deer buck season, I didn't I didn't see. I saw I saw a decent amount of deer. The deer hunting really changed in a, just a few years because I remember Mark was only Mark hunted started hunting in I think seventy five, and I started in seventy seven, and he used to tell stories about how many deer he saw. Like he'd see. 50 some deer till lunchtime and i i think the most i ever saw at camp was 45 in one day like it just and that was one year like most of the time if you saw 10 deer when i started hunting 
you had a good day. Yeah, that, that's back when all we had was spike bucks. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was but, hard, um, hard to find something was, with horns. Yeah. When was the three-point restriction? Do any what what year did that start? Two thousand one, I believe. Yeah, because yeah, I didn't shoot my first rack buck at camp until two thousand four. Before that, this was all spikies, three pointers. Yeah, you know uh, because that's all it had. If, all if it you waited for a rack buck, you chances were you were getting nothing because right. it it was all little stuff, you know. Yeah. But no, oh, I remember like, I, as a kid, I, the, like, if if they if he like he'd always call home on like Wednesday night, and we'd be in the background. Oh, who got him? Who got him? Who got him? And like. If somebody shot a six pointer or an eight pointer, an eight pointer, oh, yeah. oh my God, they got he got an eight pointer. No way. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Like, it was a big deal. Yeah. Well, I can remember the first. What I would. It wasn't really a big rack buck, but the, my first nice buck was a seven pointer, and I got it mounted. And gee, when I look at that thing now, I'm thinking, why did I mount that? <laughs> Is it your first nice buck? Yeah, I look and at the that, same thing with my first buck. At he shot point. that. But, he but, shot that about two minutes after I shot my first buck up there. Really? Yeah, he was sitting right above me. I sh- I shot and that, shot a buck down down, down over the ridge. That I didn't remember. Down over the ridge, he was sitting on the point of the ridge. Yeah. And he shot like a minute after I did. Huh. Two minutes maybe. But you're, you said the first the first few years you didn't see too many. I did, we saw deer. We did. We sure. we saw deer. But I, my 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 memory of when I was twelve is like the in buck season. It was it was pretty cold back then. We always had snow and it was cold and I'd be all bundled up. And I remember the first year we were up on what we call his knob, and I was sitting at this spot and I I thought it was the wind blowing. It was just this noise like the leaves were rattling and. It was a flock of like 50 turkeys came up to me, at which you never see that many turkeys anymore. I mean, turkeys are Rarely. making a comeback now, but I'm, I'm telling you, it was 50, 50 turkeys in the, in the flock. But then, like, didn't get a buck. So we go, we go hunting in doe season, and I can still remember we're, we're walking. We went down over the ridge on the other side, on the Cascade side, and we're walking along, and a doe, doe jumped up in front of us, and she stood there. We both up with the guns, and and I'm at, like aiming, and the guns going all over the place. And Grandpa's keeps saying, "Shoot!" And I go, "I can't hold the gun still. <laughs> Shoot! I can't hold the gun still." And it just ran away. And he is just. Get raking me over the coals because I didn't shoot at this thing and it ran, it ran away. And he's going, I could have shot that thing ten times. And I was like, Well, why didn't you shoot it? And we won you know, and he was like, Well, then of course we run into Shirky right after that. And you know, cousin Shirky's he tells him the story and there's a story written in the book about how everybody saw deer and Ramy and Jeff were afraid to shoot. And you know, that, that's what it says in the book up there. <laughs> but um, then when I was 13, doe season opened up, and by 7, seven o'clock the first morning, I shot a doe. You shot, that was your first deer? That then. was the first deer I ever shot up there then. But I didn't shoot a buck until... Boy, I, uh, I think I was... I think I, I was about 20, a, I didn't shoot a buck until about... I'd say it was uh, 66... I shot my first buck, and that was just a little three-pointer. Okay. Raymond, do you remember how many deer you shot with open sights before you shot with a scope? 
quite a few. Well, uh, it would have been, I would have hunted without scope until probably, I'm going to say 1980, close to 1980. No, you had a scope before then. Mark, Mark started hunting in 75, you had a scope. Because Mark, uh, Mark, I, I don't. That, uh, Mark, yeah, you're Mark, probably ne- right. Mark never. Yeah, you're probably I don't right. think Mark ever hunted the thirty thirty with a scope. You put that scope on when I started hunting because I never hunted open sights. Okay. Yeah, yeah I didn't. <laughs> other than a flintlock. But uh, yeah, I I shot quite a few deer before I ever had a scope. I shot two. My first doe and my first buck I shot with open sights. That was with your thirty oh six, right? Yeah, with my thirty oh six. Okay, and then at that time you had switched over and put a scope on it. Yeah, I put a loophole three par on. Now it has a loophole two and a half to eight on. I don't I know. I should what. have looked in the book. I could tell you exactly when I put my scope on because I think the first deer I shot with a scope, I thought, boy, this is really easy compared to them open sights. <laughs> All right. And so we were, we were talking earlier, you were talking about seeing uh spike buck was a lot of the, the, the common thing if you shot a, a six pointer an eight pointer that was huge but you used to talk about well we didn't it, even the whole camp uh, there was some seven pointers shot but right uh sixes once in a great while an eight but it, it was rare it was, a bad, was that rare. was that pretty similar to your oh very yeah i can think of one two two eight pointers over three Three eight-pointers that were shot up there over a period of time. And if they were shot back then, they were a little basket eight. They weren't. I remember back in those days reading an article in the game news, and I could hardly believe it, but it said that this article said that they estimated, and I don't know where, but it meant up country in in the big woods, that it estimated that 90% of the buck were killed every year. Wow. 90% 90% of the of the legal, of the three inch th- a deer had to have th- one horn yeah. three inches or longer to be legal and they estimated 90% of them were killed a year so you they didn't develop racks back in those days you know yeah no, they had they one were, year they were young they, they were had one year yeah. Yeah. yeah but the but the reason i bring that up is you saw a lot of deer uh you still had a fantastic time because, and that's why we're, we're talking about this as a camp camaraderie. And that's one thing I want to transition a little bit to is kind of maybe not as much. Some of it might be the stories that were in the field, but some of it was the stuff just as back at camp. Cause I, I know both of you, I mean, all three of the people here have talked about camp clowns and goofy stories that have happened over the year. But I, I want to ask you, uh, Raymond, what, who are some of the people over the years going to camp that was just like the 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 goof of the of the camp or the stuff that just always had somebody going or a story going or or something always happened? I know who it is. I don't even have to think about it. <laughs> You're thinking Shirky. Yeah, I mean, he, well, like he always talked about how Shirky tormented him. Yeah, because Mark and Mark and I Shirky used to, was my used, oldest brother's to boy. Him. And and just to back up too, you talked earlier about Lloyd. Lloyd was your oldest brother, correct? Right. He now, was my oldest any brother. of you had a bunch of other brothers. Did any of them come to Deer Camp? Yeah. Oh yeah, they all did. Yeah, Elmer, 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 <laughs> oh, Paul. They were making drives on the back mountain. My brother Elmer was up there. I wasn't even up. I don't know why. I think I had to go home for some reason. I don't know why, but I had to go home. But I, I might have had a deer. I don't know. But anyway, 
my brother was up there, Elmer was up there hunting, and they're making drives on the back mountain. And, of course, they're making drives, and they chase a buck to him. And it was so close, he probably could have almost got it with a knife, but <laughs> he missed it. He couldn't hit it. So my oldest brother, Lloyd, he, they, after the hunt, they went down, and he took his gun, and he says, let me shoot that thing. Well, here he hadn't shot the gun, my brother Elmer. He wasn't into hunting, not yeah. like you. Anyway, he hadn't shot his gun. He shot at 50 feet, and he couldn't hit a tree. So he put a bigger, got a bigger target and got closer, and then I think, it, I don't know how far away they were shooting, but the, the gun was off like 18 inches in that amount of distance. <laughs> he couldn't have hit nothing if he would have tried oh, because it was just the gun was off. Right. And, uh, but you, your, your other brothers went, but Shirky that you guys are referring to is your oldest brother, Lloyd, who bought the camp. Yeah. Um, he, it's his, he, his son. He was my nephew, yeah. And he tormented the daylights oh, out of you. Oh, he always did, but... Uh, that was my other brother. I had another, another brother that hunted up there. There was three three older brothers and me hunted up there, and uh, the one in the middle of the the three older ones, which was Paul, he uh, he had a couple of kids that used to go up there hunting too, and you couldn't keep enough food in them guys' pockets to keep them fed. <laughs> you laugh. They, they used to they take could, like they used to take like. Four sandwiches and and a six pack of soda in their coat. That's what they took in the yeah, woods. Yeah. I don't even eat that in a day. Yeah. Most people don't. It, they it were hot. It was it was really terrible. Anyway, uh, one of them shot a deer one day, and one of the other nephews came up to him, and they were gutting this thing. They would cut, pull a piece out and cut it off. Oh, pull, my Pull word. a piece out and cut it off. It was horrible. <laughs> they gutted it little piece, but like a handful at a time when they cut it. Yeah, it was not good. But that was, they didn't know any better, I guess. They hadn't shot any deer. And, but in the, in the 70s and early, early 70s was probably the most deer that we had up there we we would make a drive and we'd have five people two standing and uh, no maybe three standing and two driving and we'd get 20 25 deer coming to the people that were standing mm. at, at that point in time most of them were little you didn't see no buck but i can remember back in them days it was just unbelievable how many and then course they started pushing the doe season i don't know what year that was but by the early 80s the hunting was almost done up there you couldn't even find a deer anymore oh by that time it was no okay. well what really changed that is when you could shoot doe and buck at the same time yeah as yeah. long as the doe season was a separate season that didn't but, happen but even the doe season and we were as guilty as anyone else about it we'd go up there and we we didn't make drives for buck but you'd get 17, 18 guys go up there and make drives for doe. We would shoot 17 and 18 
deer every year. But no. you got to remember, Raymond, how many how many buck hunters didn't come up for doe at all? Yeah, there were gangs that still came, um, but back in those days, a lot of guys went. And I know for, we in the in the beginning, we'd go home and we'd hunt doe down here. We wouldn't go up for doe. But once it once you could get a doe tag and shoot doe in buck season in a couple of years, it just changed big yeah. time. Mm. But that did, that didn't it was start the best it. thing, uh, not to change the subject, but it was the best thing they ever did. Now that I see what it's like today. Mm. It's great. I still would sooner. I, it, you want to see a I, lot I, of deer. I, no, 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 no. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I still like the separate seasons because Me too. it was, it was right. like it was the first day all over again. They had the excitement right. of, of going yeah, out for yeah, the first I, day. I, I didn't know that's what the, That's again. the part I liked. I mean, they, um, as far as when that, I don't, when did that, the concurrence start? Because that was. Was it the same year that antler restrictions? It, could it, have right been. Right around there, yeah. Could so have been. Early, early that would have been 2000, 2001. Maybe, yeah. That's about probably when it yeah. started. Because when we were kids, like, I, I know, like, when, when, we, when, when we, we, what we, year did we go to Paul, uh, Bloomsburg? Oh, my God. I was, well, Craig was about 12. That's so that right. Would have been around 1982. Well. Yeah. So that—that's that, when the hunting the really hunting, got bad. The hunting got bad, but we were still going up there. We were still going to camp every every year. Until and then, that and year. And then it. No. Well, that year we didn't go to camp, but then we went back to camp again. Yeah. And yeah. We, and we we hunted at and camp every were, year until I would say about I think 90 or 91 is when I started. I would go to our camp for two days and then i would leave for clinton county to go over to russell on tuesday yeah, on right. tuesday night and then i eventually like i think 1996 is the year i shot you that shot buck that over, clinton, over county. clinton county and that's the that's the first year that i didn't hunt the the first day of deer season of buck season at at our camp and then I hunted over there a few years, and then it got to the point where he started coming over to to Clinton with me. And by that time is when probably when you know Mark started having his own land down home. And I think it was around nineteen. I want to say nineteen ninety five. No, no, yeah, about ninety five is when we're ninety six, ninety seven. So right in that area is where. Like, there was nobody going to our camp anymore. Like, there was nobody there. Like, when we stopped going, there was still, like, three, four guys that used to go up. And then it, it just stopped. Nobody went to camp. And I don't remember what year it was. I just it made was, up my mind. I, 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 it, was, it was after I worked at Electrospace. Because I, when I worked at Electrospace, I, was, I used to hunt up well, at Marks. Well, there was a big distance in that. Spain. I think it was about 2000. We didn't even shoot a deer at camp. Right. No. I think it was around 2002 or something like that, maybe. Okay. When I started going, when I called him and said, you know, what are you doing for deer season? And he said, well, I guess I'm going to Mark's. And I said, well, I'm going to camp. And we just started going to camp then. And shortly after that is when, when Bobby started coming up. I don't remember. <laughs> It might have been after 2002. I think it was. I it was, was probably I was around 2005, 2006 I, when you started going back I think it was again. right before I started hunting because I think I started hunting in 2006. So yeah. it was right before that. Like, Kenny, I, I know they're talking years and stuff like that, but the, the pattern that they're talking about throughout the decades and stuff, do you remember kind of fluctuations like that with how the deer hunting was at, at your camp? 
Oh, there was a lot of deer when we started there. You'd see 50 deer sometimes in a drive, okay? Yes. That, that, that today, One side hill. To, yeah, today that sounds like that's impossible. But, but to go back to what they said a little earlier about the seasons changing everything, I can remember when you didn't have to wear orange, okay? Right. Then they passed a law you had to have an orange cap. Then they passed a law you had to have an orange vest. I would have never thought, okay, when they started stressing safety, that a few liters later they'd say, now you can shoot buck and doe at the same time. Yeah. That, that just, I would have never anticipated yeah. that that was going to happen. And there, there I disagree. I didn't, with, I, I I didn't agree with that, I, doing that. What, shooting. buck and doe at the same? Time. Yeah, oh I, yeah, I thought you said you thought that was the best thing they did. No, I no, I, no. I, the three-point restriction. I meant when they started giving more license out oh. and shooting the doe and getting the herd. The three-point res- restriction, I think, was a good move. Okay, okay. that yeah. I think. What I still think they should have buck and doe separately. Right. Myself, and I believe the the natives of the area, the the business people, and everything, because then they, you know, they, they, it they, stretches they, it up. Yeah, but you know what. The, the other thing that's going on today, most people, it's a one-day hunt anymore. Well, it's Now the way they the can even hunt on a up. Sunday. Right. So they hunt on a Sunday and don't lose any work. Yeah, I think that was a big mistake. They say, well, all the other states were doing it, and Pennsylvania was either one of the, maybe the only one or one of the few that didn't. Great. Okay, one light means a lot in the darkness. Okay, I I, to this day I think that was a terrible mistake to 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 open. I mean, you so much for that. But what I wanted to get back to a little while to the one of the last questions you asked about the kind of guys that were in the camp that brought life to the camp. We had one particular fellow that was just a natural in telling stories. I mean. He was a We natural. had a few of them. <laughs> and this guy would think of things nobody else would think of. I'll give you two examples. I'll save the best one for last. But anyway, this wasn't in deer season. It could have been a work detail. I don't think it, it was a work detail now that I know it had to be, okay? Because uh, one night, half the guys went to bed at their usual time, 9, 9, 30, 10 o'clock, and a couple of guys, and he was one of them, went down to the bar, okay? And they uh. got back around midnight, okay? What does he do, okay? He starts a chainsaw in the cabin at midnight. <laughs> He's revving that thing at midnight. I'd walk by, that wouldn't even come to my mind, but he, he would think of something like that. He brought this chainsaw. And he's revving this chainsaw at midnight while guys are laying up in bed sleeping. But the best one that he pulled that I'll never forget, and I think it was on Monday night. It was in buck season. I think it was Monday night. But anyway, he went in his bedroom. We had one downstairs bedroom. He went in his bedroom, and he brought out a bottle of whiskey. And he sells to one of his buddies. He says, hey, will you help me polish this off? And the other guy said, he says, no, he says, I want to go hunting tomorrow. Then his son, who was my classmate in high school, he's died in a car crash in 85. But anyway, his son said, open it up. He says, I'll help you. Okay. So he opens this thing up and he goes, you know, and they pass this thing back and forth and they kill it. Okay. And then the guy that was the, the, the war vet, okay, that you referenced earlier, he come upstairs and he says, I can't believe it. He says, they drank a whole bottle of whiskey. They polished that whole thing off themselves. Then time went on at our hunting camp meetings or up at hunting camp again. This story would come up again. And every time it come up, okay, this guy that was so excited would say, oh, yeah, I remember that. I came to this day at huh? those guys day. And that guy didn't live too long. He died, in, he died in a car crash at 65. But before he died, he did find out it was a bottle of water. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I did that to Russell. That, that never happened at our camp. There was yeah. never any water around. Yeah, well, well, he had filled it with the, his whiskey bottle with water. That what do you mean there was never any water around? When I was a kid, there was never any alcohol in our camp. You're right about that. We, there, was, there was never. I, I think. I don't think. Honestly, I don't think we started drinking at our camp in deer season until Bobby and I started bringing it. Probably, yeah. I mean, we it's a, bad Char- Charlie. Charlie used to bring Windsor up. Yeah, but that only came out after he got a deer. Like, mm. they, like they didn't sit and drink it like right. the way we do. Sit and drink a beer every night. So that that's a good point. I want to ask you. So, uh, you'd break. He'd break out Windsor after a de- somebody would shoot a deer. But that's that's a pretty common tradition. And well, in yeah, Charlie used to like Windsor. So I want to. I want. I want all of you to say like, did you guys remember any? Did you have any traditions annually you do in the woods or outside of the woods or, or just things that you remember you'd do every now and then again with a group of guys in camp that was just was just fun or memorable? Like, I remember you guys always talk about driving to the orchard. Well, yeah. I mean, we 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 had yeah that, we had that luxury of being able to drive up the, the hollow that was to the top. That and was, we would drive all the way to the top. There was an apple orchard up there, and that's where we'd park, and then everybody would hunt from there. And what was when I like when I was a kid, what was what was unique about that is you'd drive there, go out, you know, in the dark hunting. And my uncle Charlie, he'd always by nine thirty, he was back at the scout. They used to take the Coleman stoves up there, and he'd he'd be drinking coffee by nine thirty. And then he'd go back out, and like everybody used to come back to the orchard. Well, just about everybody would come back to the orchard at lunchtime, and we'd make soup, cup of soup, and coffee, and everything else, and have lunch at the orchard, and then you'd go out hunt in the afternoon again. Right. Um, that was um, the the neighbor one time. I, I I think I just told you this story not that long ago. The neighbor one time, he was like in his eighties. And they used to always hunt lower than us. They never really came up to the top to the orchard where we parked. And one day we were coming back, and it was a kind of a cold day, but we got back up top, and I was like, Dad, there's somebody sitting in the scout. He goes, well, who would be sitting in the scout? I said, I don't know, but somebody's sitting in the scout. And we, we go walking up there. And he gets out, and here it's old old George Longenecker's in the in the scout, and he said, oh, "I thought this was your your vehicle, Ramey." He said, "I didn't think you'd mind." He said, "I got kind of cold." He said, "So I just wanted to sit a little bit." So he gets the Coleman stove out and starts, and he fires it up and starts asking, "Do you want a cup of coffee?" "No, no, no. I just wanted to warm up. I'm good." "Yeah, take a cup of coffee." So, "Okay, I'll take a cup." So he he's drinking a cup of coffee. And a little bit of time goes by. He had made soup. And, George, you want some soup? No, 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 he said. I don't want anything to eat. He said, no, nah, we got plenty. He said, take, take some soup. So, sure enough, he ate some soup. And when we were done, like, he was, he was going to walk back down. And he said, oh, he said, wait till I get back in camp and tell the boys that I had lunch at the restaurant in the orchard, he said. <laughs> it was just comical because I think that's the only time I ever saw George Longenecker up there. Okay. Yeah, he, like I say, he, he, I think he might have been in his 80s. Oh, wow. Definitely in his 70s. Well, that was when he was still swinging on grapevines. Yeah. <laughs> he used to show his grand grandkids how to swing on the grapevine 
80 and years he fell old. off I fell th- off and broke he, his arm oh, i think he was 80 when he fell off the grapevine. yeah yeah what what about you kenny is there is there any like any traditions or things you used to do like you maybe even it was at the end of getting together at a driver stuff and, and goofy stuff like that any anything that because because camp traditions are or i think what makes us like when, whenever we talk about deer camp or i had like my deer camp episode last year or stuff like that like that's the stuff that people are always interested because it's just so unique <clears throat> i was i was never a big one for driving well we, but by, I, by I couldn't time, sit still by the but, time i started hunting they, we really didn't. I one year I can remember doing some drives in doe season, but we really didn't do any drives by then anymore. But I I used to love love to just walk. We had a lot of railroad beds up in our mountains up there, and I would love to walk them railroads. And I could walk a whole day and not see the same tree twice. Right. And that's how I hunted. I, it was like hunting new territory all the time. I'd peep down over the mountain and. And you could see so far back then, mm-hmm. you know, like there was most places you could see 200 yards. And with, there's still places without, like that. Yeah, there's still places like that. But after they started all the cutting of the trees and everything else, it got so much thicker everywhere. And oh, the, it definitely the deer came the back. The deer got more healthy and mm. they came back. And uh, It definitely changed the hunting because they... They don't really move that much unless you move them with the, with the thick, you know, the chop-offs and stuff. Well, there, there was an area up there where I used to hunt a lot. All the, Every time I went up to camp, I went to that spot to hunt. And when I got up after all this cutting was done, I didn't recognize the spot. And it wasn't cut there where I was at, but it was so thick. I didn't recognize the spot. I don't know why it got thick, but it did. No, oh, jeez. So I don't know that I can say a hunting tradition, but I card playing was popular at the at the camp. Right. And I oh, remember yeah, there, there was a cards. foursome that really, really loved to play cards. And when they'd come in, if they were the first ones there, I mean, they'd... they'd, they'd push the stuff out in the kitchen, okay, start a fire in the stove, and they'd sit on their hot seats to start playing cards, okay? The chairs were cold, and so there was no no delay. They, the card playing got going right away. So, What was the games of choice most of the time? Hoss and Pepper was the game of choice, yeah. There, some pinochle was played up there over the years, but Hoss and Pepper was, was the main game that was, that was played. Yeah, that is a very vivid camp tradition because, I mean, I know bear camp was very common. We'd be playing poker or liar's dice or something like that and it's little stuff like that and that was one thing going back we were talking about the seasons changing over the years um i'm fairly neutral when it comes to the sunday hunting but one thing i don't that is different and i don't like is when we go to bear camp and it's very similar deer camp too is um you'd go up when they made the change that it was a saturday opener but then sunday was closed and then monday like at bear camp We'd go up Friday night, we'd hunt all day Saturday, and we'd hunt hard, but then we had Sunday to recover. Sunday, we'd, we'd sit around, we'd, we'd, again, have a whole bunch of big right. meals. Maybe go wash somebody's clothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell that story in a little bit then, since you brought that up, because I can't let that one go, but... Um, <laughs> I, uh, we, we, and we play games and a lot of the time we were catching up with people that some of it was family we'd see regular, but sometimes we'd take a drive and go see other camps and stuff too. Well, that's just it. And, and 
like the the camaraderie aspect. Like there's people you'd see once a year at camp. And that's mm-hmm. when you'd see them. So you'd catch up, and that was a great time to catch up outside of hunting. And I, I always really enjoyed that. So now that it's like Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, bear hunting, it's like go go go. And the other thing with bear hunting too is I don't think anybody's anywhere near as gung ho to bear hunt as they are deer hunting. So when the idea come that we can hunt a weekend, not lose any work days, they want to hunt, and then Sunday afternoon they go home and it just changed the hunting dynamic and i I miss that big time i miss that yeah 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 Um, one one thing with that like as far as our camp like people always say oh you go to deer camp you know you just go up there to to drink and blah 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 and like i said i always tell people we go up there we we drink some beers Mm -hmm. we don't get dumb unless we kill something really nice well, yeah but, <laughs> well which is what brought up the, the but clothing, um, the clothing story but one thing like i always tell people when people complain about it just because it's open on sunday doesn't mean you have to go out hunting well that's a very good point like you can hunt and you don't have to go up and hunt this first saturday either i know i had a, there was a guy that complained yeah well, that's but what, it changes, that's when we that's when we always the mindset that they, yeah but yeah. That, that that's neither here nor there i'm saying you don't have to hunt that day you don't. It, it's you don't have it's, to. Uh, you can stay in camp and just do whatever you want to do if you want to on Sunday. But like, like I heard a guy one time say, "Well, I don't know what we're going to do because we always put our tree stands out on Saturday." Well, you can still put your tree stand out Saturday. You, what what difference does it make? You could, and you don't have to carry your gun. You can still go out and put it out. Yeah. But you might as well carry a gun along. Well, that's it, just it. Uh, it just but changes it. And it oh, it, it, def- it definitely time. changes right. it, but I, I don't mind the Saturday opening. Well, yeah, what I'm, difference I'm neutral it, about Honestly, that. what difference does that make? I think the difference it makes is just how it, people were used to doing it because you'd have Thanksgiving well, and then Friday. You'd, you know, Friday, Saturdays when you go up to camp, you'd open up camp, you'd clean stuff up, you'd play cards, you'd catch up with everybody, and then Monday you'd go hunting. And I think it was just... It was that was the tradition, and it speeded that, up the pace of life. Yeah, it did. Yeah, that's a very good way of putting it. It really did. It just speeded up. It, life is fast enough already. It was nice to have those relaxing days, you know. But you yeah, know, they're gone. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah, I never heard it. I never heard. I've never heard somebody say that, and that is so true because it really did. Like from Thanksgiving. That did speed up. Well, the that's process. the one thing I don't like about it because I used, Fridays I used to spend like there would be days I'd go golfing on Black Friday. Now it's like oh, I can't golf. I got to go to camp. Yeah. Which I, I shouldn't be like that because why? What? Like I just said a while ago, what does it matter if I hunt yeah, Saturday? Because we not? spend the whole entire week up there, and you know, my, yeah, I'm there. My... I go up Friday night and. Or Friday morning, I usually go up and don't come home till the following Sunday. And and right now, my favorite time at camp is the end of the first week because of of what we've started in a tradition, which we talked about right. with the group. Right. You talked about. I have to tell the story since I we brought it up and you brought it up and and anything else, the the drinking one. So I uh, one year at bear camp, I was. I think I was 17 years old, had no business sneaking into the booze cabinet, but I did because we had a good day of bear hunting. And for whatever reason, I thought it'd be a good idea to to indulge in some alcohol. And at three o'clock in the morning, I leaned over and threw up out of the top, out of the top bunk, threw up in one of my best friend's clothing bag directly in his clothing bag all over his stuff. So three o'clock in the morning, I shimmied out and I went out and I, I threw his like I went through and got his valuables out and just the clothing and stuff. And I went out in the pond 
and like threw it in the pond. I might not have even done that. No, you did that the next morning. Yeah, I threw it outside, went back to bed. When I got up the next morning, I went out and went out and washed it all in the pond. And then I went to town to the laundromat and and took his stuff to the laundromat. But I'll never forget, he woke him. Where the heck's all my stuff? And the whole camp just uproared in laughter. And the other one that I think about the whole camp uproaring in laughter was... It might have been one of the years when when we killed a bear and and one of our one of the camp members was, you know, feeling no pain and we started doing uh, shot for shot of of alcohol with him. Only only little did he know that I was drinking water and he was drinking moonshine. Moonshine, yeah, and he was hurting. And I'll never I'll never forget the next day, everybody's playing cards and he gets up and leans over and he's just rubbing his head and everything else and. They're like, man, Russell, you're you're looking pretty rough. Yeah, that moonshine really, really got me. And somebody said, well, don't you think it's pretty funny that Shirky's kid's up? He was up and already, he already went out and about. And it was like all at once, don't tell me he was drinking water. And the camp just uproars in laughter. <laughs> so there's a lot of those stories. But like that, that to me, that's all part of deer camp. Yeah. It's stupid. There's plenty of stupidity in it, but it's fun. It's it, that's what makes deer camp just enjoyable, and I look forward to it every year. But <clears throat> any other hunting stories? I mean, we've been rolling here for an hour and fifteen minutes, and I, I probably could let you guys tell the, the tell as many stories and go back through the years as you wanted, and we might end up going another forty five minutes, and I could care less. We go as long as we want, but I mean, there's just. Uh, there's a lot of history in, in both of these camps that, that you guys go to, and I remember a lot of deer coming home over the years. I remember just growing up as a kid. I was always so excited when you guys would come home from deer camp and hear your stories and see what you got and everything else. One thing i got to say yet about our camp, the first year we went up to our camp, me and my brother Lloyd, we went across the creek, like I said, and up the mountain to the top, and then we hunted till noontime. Now our heads got ahead of us, and we think we got to see if anybody got anything. So we went all the way down to the bottom of the mountain to see if anybody else shot anything. And then we turned, we ate, and we turned around, and went right back up the hill again. And this isn't a little hill. Yeah, how, how big a, is the hill? It's it's tired me out more than once. I at that time I used to be able to climb it in an hour, and I was young and yeah. Young I and could dumb. Go. Yeah, I guess. But anyway, I could climb it in an hour. And now it takes me about four. And now I can't even make it anymore. So, <laughs> yeah, it's... Yeah, that that well, that mountain you're talking about. You actually shot a buck on that mountain at our camp. You, uh, Kenny, you the came up to our camp year one year and, and you killed a buck walking. Well, walking you just had that dry spell. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you broke the ice. I did. Yeah, you were the, right. I think you were the first yeah, that was, that was shot in a long time. That was yeah. the, that was the first the first buck that was shot from when we started going back up to camp again. Yeah, that's right. I always felt like maybe we were just lazy. Kenny had a lot more energy than we did. Or yeah, something. I would, I walked pretty far for, and and the, and I after that that deer wasn't too long after that I had rotator cuff surgery, where I shot it. Okay, I, I you know. I had to get it up to a logging road, okay? And I either had a choice of dragging the logging roads coming down like this, and I'm on the bench, you know? Yeah, it was a gradual side yeah, hill. I, I thought, what do I do? Well, I couldn't drag it on the flat because so many trees were blown over. That didn't work. 
And I thought, if I go back to get help, it'll be dark till we get here, till we come back up at night again to get this deer. Well, I plugged myself to get that deer in the logging road. I want to tell you, I used to grab a hold of trees and I'd pull the, the deer up part way. Mm. And you'd always lose some ground. If I'd pull him up three feet, he'd slide back a foot, yeah. you know. But I finally got him up. Once I had him on the logging road, I, I, I got him That's up. a very steep mountain. And yeah. that was the same. You, you said you hunted that mountain the way you hunted a lot of mountains at your camp like logging roads and stuff well not really i like to zigzag on along a mountain you know where there it was i shot it off the logging road okay Okay. but that that other as i recall at your camp there was there was two two flat areas a railroad bed and then there was something else i was on the Mm -hmm. upper one and went all the way down to to that guy, that friend yeah. of yours, that what's his name, the guy, uh, Hilly, Hilly, the, Hilly the, yeah. the local and guy. there at his place, it, 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 the, you can make a sharp turn and take a logging road up to the top of the mountain. And I was, I was pretty near to the top when I when I caught this deer out of the corner of my eye, and fortunately I was lucky enough to get. And you heard the shot. You said you you yeah. heard you heard. Yeah, I heard. Well, I was up on top of the mountain at that time. Oh, you that were. That was one of the last times I climbed the mountain. And you said you heard one shot. You yeah. know. I, I I was up probably two miles or more from him uh, to the east, and I was up at Ebling's Land. I went up. Okay, over. but I had the crosshairs on its back shooting downhill before I ever saw its head, and I just the safety off and just waited. When the head come around, I saw the rack, and that quick it was over. Yeah, and that was the last buck that you shot, right, in Pennsylvania? Yeah, I believe it was. Okay. Yeah, I think I shot some deer in South Carolina since then. You might have, but but I think well, you was... you went on your African hunt after that. Too, oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And I, the last animal I got was my moose. Yeah, that's the last animal I got. But but that, I think he's right. I think that was the last Pennsylvania buck. That How I... many deer did you shoot, Kenny? I don't know. I don't know either. But I don't know. You I shot went, more than I. I, did. I went and counted the racks in the in the basement of the mounts and the racks and I counted 16 buck that I shot and though at least double that probably triple that probably because there was years where you when you could shoot multiple I shot with muzzleloader and I shot with bow and but we just talked about his last Pennsylvania buck, and I want to talk about your last Pennsylvania buck because you shot your last one over on the ridge, right? Yeah, right. shortly after, a year or two after the, I got that The one. best hunting we ever had, I shot that buck at that spot. Right. That, and that I was hunted the there every ridge, year. Yeah. Every year I hunted at that spot. And the deer always came up over that hill. Always. Now, the, the buck you shot, though, he didn't come up over the hill, no, though, did he? No, no, he was Actually, he was on the bench and the grapevines, and uh, I just picked him out before he seen me. But it was only probably a half an hour earlier than that that Ray had seen that deer. Oh, really? Yeah. But he didn't get a shot at it. And I walked the same, almost the same path he out he walked, and it was where the deer, he had seen the deer. Tell the story about the deer you didn't see because it was too close to you. Wasn't there one where they said, no, right here. They're, and they kept saying, there was a buck right in front oh, of you. Was, that was and they kept saying, and you're, and you're looking. They're saying, it's right in front of you. you know, but you still didn't look in front of you. You were uh, looking. A- that that might have been the time that we were driving from the bus over toward. No, our- no this was before. Well, I, this is in recent years. He's probably, you're probably thinking of when he got out of the car. He got out of the 
car. We were driving back. Oh, oh okay. And yeah. Dennis, Dennis, we're driving along, and Dennis just says, Well, I was a, driving. That's a nice buck standing there. Yeah, not excited or anything. He just says, that's and, a and nice And we're just buck. like, yeah, right. And he goes, no, seriously, there's a, there's a nice buck standing there. So he stops the car. Well, I we, stopped the we car. We look, and it's like, oh, my God. So we're on that. So they're my, all, they're all gun, in the car and can't guns, get out. My gun's in the back. Um, I'm out of the car. Had, somebody had their bullets in their jacket in the back, and like so, he gets out, but he had never seen the deer. Yeah, he he, he got so out. So I'm standing, he and wasn't it real close to him? But he well, wasn't was, looking. And it you're was probably well, 40, it was thick. forty yards down over the hill. Oh, oh, that. Oh, I thought. Oh, yeah. I thought this was no, closer than no, that. No, was, uh, 30, 40 yards. It was plenty close enough, but the problem was it was thick, and I couldn't see it from No, the problem out. is you got out of the car before you saw that. You should have located the deer and then got out. Oh, maybe, which maybe I know isn't the, what the game commission is, would tell you. That is illegal. But it's not. <laughs> it's probably better you didn't in the first place, but it was a nice buck because you chased after oh, it. Oh, it, it was a nice, I think it was a 10-point. Yeah, you, yeah. Cha- you I, chased I, it all day, didn't I trailed you? that yeah. for. And you know what I remember about I that? I trailed that till lunchtime, and then another guy shot it. What I remember about that story was I was sitting in a college class and all you sent me was a picture of the dead buck i'm like did he i don't know did he just shoot a buck i'm like that's a nice 10 pointer i'm like all excited i'm like calling you and you won't answer and that's because i had no service well yeah but you sent all you sent me was a picture of the dead buck then you tell me the story i'm like oh you clown you got me excited for nothing but yeah that's i trailed that buck and then after a while i was on a trail and you could see it was two buck together and they both ran out to this guy how excited you can get about seeing something you can shoot. It mm-hmm. is. It's really something. If You know, I always said, if you don't get excited when you see something, you might as well quit because that's it's what, over. That's what this old time when it came. Not the dad, not the father, but the, well, he said, if you're out in the woods and you see something move, then after a while you see there's something on top of its head, and you're not getting excited. Go home. He said. You, <laughs> exactly. You know that. Yeah. But I, I think the, the the one time I was really excited when I shot a buck is I, I fell asleep standing in a tree, and when I woke up, I woke up, and when I woke up, here comes this doe, and right behind it comes a rack buck, and it's the first buck I shot rack buck that I shot in camp, and I emptied the gun and put another cartridge in it yet and shot one more time after my. Uh, and uh, you oh, know, I, I think oh, I shot oh, six oh. shots at it, okay? And then I walked down over the mountain, you know, trying to find its tracks, okay? And I couldn't see anything, and I thought, oh, I, I thought I missed this buck. I, we okay. don't have enough time to talk about all of the ones that I got so excited about. <laughs> but anyway, to make a long story short, I went back to my spot and stood there maybe another half hour and hour. Then one of our hunters came off the mountain to go back to camp. I thought, I'm going to go back too. So I went a slightly different direction. Then I saw blood. Then I followed the blood, and here I had hit it, and it wasn't too far away. <laughs> but but I think it yeah, made me excited because I was sleeping and woke up and yeah yeah. But, yeah there's a there's a lot of stories like that about camp and I think that's what why I enjoy it and that's why I wanted to kind of kind of do this I, I I there's so much history and heritage and there's I think there's something special about Pennsylvania deer camp because like we talked about in the beginning the places that you used to pheasant hunt Kenny around here at home where it's polluted with deer now you you were hard pressed to ever see a deer at that time yeah and it was like, rare and all the southern counties in pennsylvania all headed north to deer camp everybody had a deer camp and uh, i think that's one thing that makes it so special and that's kind of my roots i mean my first year hunting i went to camp with you 
I, I went to camp with Dad and sat that's with you. You and me and Bobby walked up Potash. We did. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we put a pretty good yeah. session in on Sunday, and yeah, you did. I, th- I think we uh, we between the three of us, I think we crapped the whole the whole side of the mountain up on the way up through. <laughs> yeah, my my first two years of rifle deer hunting, I went to camp, and I think I saw one tail. Oh. And I remember when I was young at that age, I was like, I don't want to keep doing this. This isn't fun. And then I started hunting at home, and I, I've been very lucky. I've shot some deer at home, shot some nice buck and everything else. And right around the time of college, when I went I went to college 30 minutes from camp, and you guys would always be at camp. So I'd come up and spend some time, and I always had it in my head. I always got to hunt at least, even if it's 30 minutes, I have to hunt opening day of the gun season. So when I was in college, I'd always come the first day, and I might hunt a half hour. I mean, I, I there was days I did that the first day. But I, I at least can say I hunted opening day. And then when I started doing that and hunting with camp and seeing the camp camaraderie, it's like, this is different. This is fun. This is a different atmosphere than what I'm used to for deer hunting. And it was basically spoiled now. It's when, not when, the same anymore. When, when, Matter of fact, at our camp, half the guys don't even come anymore. They hunt down here. It, since as you have this Saturdays, and that, that sitting laying around on a Sunday, that's when you had fun. When you just later on told stories like we're doing now, right. the, that's gone. The hunting I did, the most fun I ever had was always at camp, always. Right. I mean, I hunted in at home, Berks County, and I hunted uh, a lot of different counties I hunted in, but my best hunting was always at the camp. Yeah. I, it was just most what enjoyable. I, it just, yeah, it was just what I did. That's why I always went a week. I was going like, like, like to get the maximum. You said, out of you it. said the, the all that camaraderie stuff's gone. That's what I like. Our camp, it's not gone at our camp. No. We still have. No. We still. Well, we don't have the amount of guys like they used to have years ago, but we still have a core of guys that come right. up. Then most, a lot of us stay the whole week. It, it's not. Um, you, we camp doesn't have its entire membership group no. all as a deer hunter like we have a, a couple members and then we have a lot of guests come and they enjoy it and what what i have found what i've what was really encouraging to me is i brought friends up from home who were always patch hunters you know hunting wood patches here and there and they came Are you up kidding to you experience. brought a guy from ohio last year. i did bring a guy from ohio and he'll probably listen to this and he really enjoyed that he he, re, he remembered like when we were sitting at the at the dining room table the night before we did that drive and we were looking at the map and you were looking he he was telling me afterwards he's like I just saw your grandfather's eyes light up when he started talking about the swamp and going in this way and you got to drive he's like that was just so cool well he never experienced anything like that with a deer he, he actually I like he did he did go to a Pennsylvania deer camp but I think our atmosphere was different than what he experienced there but what I was saying earlier is the I brought friends up that were patch hunters, you know, used to hunting wood patches and stuff like that. And then they got to come up and experience hunting up at camp in the big woods. And it was very different to them, but I think they enjoyed it, even though we don't see. Well, they got, we got guys, we got some, some of those guys last year came up. They didn't even have a, 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 yeah, a, didn't have a buck license. They didn't have a buck tag. They could have shot a doe if they wanted yeah, to, they but they didn't and have a, bear a buck tag, tag and they were still there thing. making every drive. Right, and they, they said, this is so much fun. We enjoy this as much. So I'm thankful to still have that. I really am, and I, I hope we keep doing it. But like, like I said, these are these are good. So, well, hey, I, I don't want to take any more of your guys' time. I really appreciate this conversation and anything else. Um, what was in, in all in all of our. Uh, well, 
doggy's going to bark at some point. And then we'll, that's a good point to wrap it up. Um, in all of the, the stuff we talked about circling back and forth in conversation, was there anything that we didn't bring up or you had in your mind you wanted to bring up before we close up? Oh, I mean, like you say, we could sit here for hours and talk about oh, we could. Uh, stories of camp. But My favorite hunting is still just sneak hunting all day long. Yeah, I, I'd go from morning till night. And if I'd have shot a deer at some of the places that I hunted by myself, oh, my God, I would have never got it out. <laughs> no, that's one story I can tell in closing. He said about sneak hunting. When, when Mark and I were oh. little guys oh, behind him, I was like 12 and Mark was 14. We'd be behind him and we'd be screwing around behind him. And he was always like, if we'd step on a stick, he'd, he'd just look over at us and give us a nasty look. But Mark Mark would like turn his hat sideways or flip the brim up and kind he'd, of be, Elmer he'd be like Elmer Fudding and walking wrong. He'd be like, shh, be very, very quiet. <laughs> And we'd be back there screwing off, and he'd be like, "Will you guys shut up?" <laughs> we used, and uh, well, another thing, my my dad's one one thing he always liked was pine hunting around pine trees. He always his saying was always, "This got to be good." And my brother Mark, I'll never forget. At one time, we're walking along, and there was this seedling pine tree, and he goes over, he sits down beside it, and he goes, "This got to be good." <laughs> Well, there was another story you guys tell too. Went in the snow. That was really. Oh small. yeah, when, when oh there, there was. Well, we like I said, when we were kids, we always had snow. And the one year it snowed like eight inches, but then it gave a rain and froze over the top. So there was a crust, and like it was a crust. He'd be out. My dad would be out in front, walking, and it would almost hold him. And then he'd go through. And then he'd almost hold. And he he was like traipsing through like that. And he was he was getting tired, so he grabbed the hold of my brother Mark and put him out front. He said, "You break tracks a while." And Mark started walking. And he just walked right across the top of this because it held him. <laughs> oh, there's so many different stories. Like that. There, there is. You talked about Sharky, and I heard so many of those. But I, I know there's probably a lot of that to it at your camp and stuff and, and stories. And it's just so much time has passed from from then till now for sure. But uh, anything you want to want to close out on there, Kenny? Before we, when he said that Raymond used to say the pines are a good, something's got to be good here. My pop used to say it's a good spot where the crows are because there was no people there. If there's a woods or something and the, and the crows are in there, he said that's a good spot to go. Nobody. You know that, that now that you brought that up, my dad shot an eleven point buck because the crows were hollering down the field. And he thought, what are they carrying on about? And he kept sneaking down. And it was a deer in the field, and the crows were carrying on about this deer. Hmm. Well, I think that's good. We'll wrap this up. We've been going plenty long. So thank you a lot, uh, all three of you guys. Like I said, this was my, my two grandfathers and my dad. This is this was a special one, so this was a good one to, to do 100 episodes on. So thank you, guys. Okay. You're welcome. You're, you're yep. welcome. <laughs>